on mypodcasthouse.com, you're listening to On The Grid with Tony Shebeki. G'day everyone and welcome. You are On The Grid. You are on mypodcasthouse.com. Thanks for joining us. Time to have a look at what's been happening in the world of motorsport. And we do that all the time with our good mate Richard Crowell, who joins us now. G'day, Crowley. Hello, Shebekta. Mate, uh, let's first of all have a look at what happened uh, overnight in the Formula One Grand Prix at the Red Bull Ring in Austria. Uh, a very interesting Grand Prix, wasn't it? You know, Formula One at the moment feels a bit like the AFL in that the first 15 rounds of footy this year haven't been brilliant. There's been some good games, but they haven't been outstanding and a lot of blowouts and a lot of congestion and uh, hasn't been terrific. And yet on the weekend, we've had arguably the best round of footy of the season so far. Yeah. Formula One hasn't been brilliant this year. The racing hasn't been terrific. There hasn't been a lot of real thrillers, Baku outstanding. Um, but on the weekend, we had an absolutely brilliant Grand Prix, which was full of twists and turns and some really good hard motor racing in a track that promotes overtaking. So uh, really enjoyable race. Um, impressive victory by Max Verstappen. Um, and uh, the wheels fell off the Mercedes wagon for the first time this season, which has just blown the championship wide open again. And while I'm wondering if this season, I'm not, I'm not sure we'll look back at this season and go, gee, that was a classic year of racing. Now, every race was a, an amazing, amazing fight. But what I think we will look back on is the amazing world championship. And if it continues the way it is, Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton are going to go into the final round split by a point or two, and we're going to have a great showdown at Abu Dhabi in November. So it's building nicely. It was a terrific race, though. Yeah, it certainly was. And uh, you speak of the championship standing. Sebastian Vettel on 146, Lewis Hamilton on 145, Kimi Raikkonen on 101, and then uh, Ricardo 96, Verstappen 93, uh, Valtteri Bottas on 92. So the, the battle for first and second, quite interesting. The battle for third, also quite interesting, as well as uh, any one of four drivers at the moment could uh, jump in there. Yeah, and, and the, the Austrian Grand Prix was a case of the, the two big teams in Ferrari and Mercedes treading on themselves and uh, the third big team in Red Bull, which had no hope of winning at that race given their lack of straight-line performance, um, just capitalising brilliantly. Uh, and a great opening lap from Max Verstappen put him in contention. Um, Sebastian Vettel's grid penalty for blocking and qualifying dropped him back. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen was fiery early and raced his way to the front, but then... Um, unfortunately for Bottas, who just cannot have any luck this year after qualifying on pole. His car broke. He was out. Lewis Hamilton, they missed the call on the virtual safety card of Kit. Team apologised to him, which hopefully spares us from a week's worth of a guy paid $45 million a year whinging about how hard his life is. Um, and then um, he ended up back in the field, put new tyres on, and, and ultimately never really contended for, for victory after that. And then it was a, a great drive from Verstappen under ever-increasing pressure from the two Ferraris hauling him in at the end there, but really never looked like putting a, a foot wrong, which is amazing given how poorly his uh, season started. So lots of stories come out of it. Um, just, yeah, I don't know where you start debriefing yeah. on that one. It was a cracker. Well, I suppose a final comment on it was I was quite intrigued to hear the uh, the conversation between the strategist uh, back on pit lane wall and Lewis Hamilton uh, and the, the description of why and what had sort of happened and how we'd lost eight seconds and Lewis saying, what? I can't afford eight seconds. Where, what do you mean eight mm. seconds? And then all of a sudden Lewis says, hang on, I'm losing power. Well, I've lost power. 
So, yeah, well, was it, that it, Lewis it, being petulant and just turning his car off and saying, oh, buggy, if you're not going to look after me, no, I'm not going to look after you? No, I, I think the car generally broke. Lewis is experienced enough to know that you need to get points and as many Grand Prix as he can to win the World Championship. So I, I'm pretty certain he didn't just shut it down out of out of spite. But um, I thought it was, you know, it, it's probably an indicator of why Mercedes are the best team in the sport at the moment in that James Vale, their chief strategist, got on the radio and owned up about it yeah. because Lewis was uh, bitching and moaning about how they missed that opportunity to stop and how frustrated he was and all that stuff. Um, but uh, it, it, the, the strategist got on the radio and said, mate, it's my fault, but there's still a chance to win this race. Go go after him. You, you can make up time. What surprised me a little bit was that the car didn't have the raw speed after they, they stopped mm. um, to blaze his way through the field because their pace out in front was unbelievable. So their race pace perhaps isn't as epic as their one-lap qualifying pace is, which is promising for the rest of the field, trying to chase them down. So, um, yeah, I- interesting stuff. But I-, I think the fact that the team owned up and said, mate, it's our mistake, just get on with the job, we'll, we'll own this, um, that actually speaks volumes for how good the team is and, Everyone's got their role and they're, they're culpable to their mistakes and they'll deal with it and go go motor racing. But I think the fact that Hamilton's car broke and he DNF'd um, has probably saved us a week's worth of news stories yeah. about Lewis complaining about how hard his life is. But um, anyway, he'll bounce back, I'm sure. I'm sure he will. So we move on to Silverstone this week for the uh, the third race of a triple header. So it's been a taxing time, I'm sure, on the Formula One teams. And uh, fortunately, not too many of them have had to do... Uh, Repairs, I suppose, apart from maybe some engine work and stuff, but most of the cars have stayed fairly straight over the last two weeks. Mm. Mm. Yep. Yeah. The fairly McLaren, straight. McLaren carbon fibre department will be busy putting new front yes. wings together. Yes. But uh, that's the least of that team's problems at the moment. No, very true. Hey, uh, let's have a look at supercars. They make their way to Townsville this weekend. Always a spectacular round. Uh, been voted by the people as the best round on the supercar circuit a few times in the last few years. I, I want to get, uh, we spoke about it last week, and I want to sort of get a mid-year report card from you, if I can, on uh, the, mm. the team's per se, not so much the drivers as such, but, but the teams and their performances heading into the second half of the year. So do you mind if I just fire out the team's names and then you give me a, a mark and a reason as to why uh, you've done that, Mr Crowell? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd just like to point out that there's been absolutely zero preparation into this, so I'm doing this off the cuff. That's right. uh, but yeah, let's let's see where it goes. I like it. And off the back of that, then I'd just like to point out that the uh, comments by Richard Crowell may not necessarily be those... <laughs> <laughs> I'm as much as this as you are. <laughs> Here we go. We'll kick off with Auto Barnes Lounge Racing. Uh, yeah, well, I, I think you probably group them within the broader Triple Eight stable, but let, let's do this one by one. Um, I, I think probably a B uh, in that they've got their qualifying woes from last year fixed, and the change to the tyre has certainly helped Craig this year. And um, Craig's proved that despite the knockers last year going, oh, he's passed it, he should give it up, um, that if you qualify well in supercars, you'll race at the front of the field. And that's what they've sorted out on car triple eight. And it's, it's great to see Lounge here. Contender week in, week out. Really enjoyed his aggressive racing. He was good in Darwin. Um, they're still chipping away and trying to get to the front of the field. And I think they're, they're caught up in that development struggle that the whole triple eight team sort of battling with the ZB mm. Commodore. But, um, yeah, solid. I, I think a B for Mr. Lowndes. And the reason we're doing this in teams is because we sort of 
acknowledge that all the drivers are, are fairly similar. You know, there's more experienced drivers and the like, but they're all very good drivers. So it's probably mm. a, a more a team responsibility as a car that, in preparation, da da da, than just the mm. drivers. So that's why we're going with teams. And next one, if we're going in alphabetical order, then is big mate race, uh, big mate racing. Of course, Matt Stone racing. Yeah, this is a really difficult one because not only rookie driver but rookie team as well. And they, they've struggled, and they'll be the first to admit that they've struggled. So you'd probably give them a C because they've been there or thereabouts. But Todd's yet to have that breakout weekend that an Anton Di Pasquale had in Darwin or Jack LeBrock had in uh, at Sims Plains in Tasmania. So we're, we're looking for that. It, it could come at Townsville this weekend because he was super there in, in Super 2 last year. It could come at Queensland Raceway at their test track they need a weekend where they can get some confidence back and run at the front of the field but they're a single car team battling with a rookie driver battling with a car they've not run before this year and and just trying to make progress on their own so it's been difficult i'll give them a c the results probably don't dictate that results probably worse than a c Mm. but i think on on those reasons i'll give them a c at the moment they've got a pass mark yeah a d for me just on a pass mark i think yeah more needs to be done with that team, and I know it's tough. It's first year in, and you know, learning the ropes and all that sort of stuff, and getting their head around it. And I expect you know, you'd see improvements next year. Todd keeps telling us every time we interview him, and he's rightly so, in that uh, you know it's a, a two year project for them. It's not just this first mm. twelve months. So let's see how they improve from there. Nissan Motorsport run four teams: Castrol Racing plus Fitness Racing, Drive Racing, and Team Harvey Norman. Well, That's an interesting we- one, Nissan Motorsport. Yeah, we have to look at them as a whole. And yep. as a whole, I give them a B with Rick Kelly singled out for a B plus, if not an A minus. Um, uh, Rick, yeah. Rick has been outstanding this year and has led that team as he should, uh, as the former supercars and backers winner, champion and backers winner that he is. Outstanding. The way that they've now finally, finally got their, their cars hooked up over a race distance, they're good over one lap. Um, and most importantly, they're consistent. And for the last three or four rounds, in fact, really since Phillip Island, they've gone bang, 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 and they've been competitive at every type of racetrack. Townsville will be another challenge for them to get that street circuit form right, but if they can perform well this weekend, then that team will set themselves up for a really, really strong second half of the season, which may well bode some more race victories. So... I give them a B plus as a group because I think Caruso's qualifying form continues to be good. I think Andre Heimgarten has been one of the standouts this year, quietly, but he's been chipping away and his one lap pace has been really impressive. And Simona, well, we've talked about this on the show before. It's such a challenge, but she's getting better and better and more competitive at more events more often, if that makes sense. No, no, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Erebus Motorsport, this is a, a big mover for me. Yeah, you have to give them an A, uh, and and I would have given them a B plus after, uh, well, before Darwin, but with Anton's weekend in Darwin and the fact they've got two cars humming was really impressive. Last year, they were a single-car team because Dale Wood, for whatever reason, and we know Dale's a great race car driver, but for whatever reason, couldn't get that car at the front of the grid. So it was all down to Reynolds. And it felt like that for the first couple of rounds with the exonerating fact that Deep Pasquale is a rookie. At, at Hidden Valley, it all clicked, and Anton was awesome. Dave was awesome. One on Sunday. They're regular contenders. Has to be an A. 
A for me, for Erebus, yep. Going along very nicely, no doubt about it. All the work and uh, all the jokes that have been made about that team over the past four or five years uh, have been put to the side now, and uh, mm. they're really knuckling down and putting in some fantastic performances. And I, I have no doubt that Dave Reynolds uh, once it could go back-to-back Bathurst. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely, they'll they'll be contenders there, yeah, yeah, Uh, Freightliner Racing, uh, of course, Brad Jones Racing, uh, running the three cars this year. Yeah, BJR for me, they've been a bit anonymous, really, haven't they? I had a good chat with Nick Turkat at the launch of the Ben Super Sprint last week, and he was like, yeah, look, we're we're decent. We're probably the second, sometimes the third fastest Holdens for the most part, but some rounds we're not real good, some we're better. Um, so you'd probably give them a C plus, but uh, I, I don't know. That, that's to be honest, that, that's one of the hardest teams I give. I, I would find to give a grade for because they're just sort of there. Mm. So probably a C plus is a, a fair mark. Slady's been quick. Um, they, they hover around that six through thirteenth sort of region, don't they? Quite yeah. regularly. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair grade. Um, C plus, I think, is fair. Yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting for a breakout weekend for them. There's got to be a weekend when they just hit it all, and and Tim or Nick are going to be on a pole or on the front row, and they're going to get a podium or they're going to get a win or they're going to have a really strong weekend. I'm, I'm sure they'll get one of those with the unpredictable nature of this championship so far. Yeah. Uh, I think the teacher's comment on this one would be needs to focus more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's 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 probably fair. Yeah. Yep. yep. Milwaukee Racing, of course, twenty three red racing, new to the competition this year. Yeah, unloaded really well at the Adelaide five hundred. Um, few ups and downs since then, but I thought Will Davison's driven really well this year and, and it strikes me as a bit of a new lease on life for, for Wilbe. He's the figurehead of that team. It's sort of built around him and, and he can he can do his thing and, and chip away. You'd probably give them a C plus just for, for being the plucky single car underdogs, but um I, I think that grade is sort of counted into the fact that they're in a Ford, and at the moment there's there's only sort of one team that's been able to get their Fords working this year, and all the other ones have been all at sea. So mm. I, I think C plus. Maybe I'm being too generous, but I think C plus. Yeah, no failures yet in our uh, team, so still plenty yeah, to come. Well, though. And and to be honest, if you graded them on what that team used to be in terms of improvement oh, from yeah. The artists formerly known as LDM yeah, to what correct. they are now. They're professional. The cars are reliable. Yeah. Great driver. Great, well presented. Good investment. And you need to take that into consideration, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Wilkinshaw yeah. Andretti United. Well, this is a challenging one because at the first, what, four events, it looked like they were... A-plus all the way. Well, all I would way. have said A at a, the very yeah. least. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, we... we Special credit to Stop High for being outstanding at the Grand Prix, and it's still the race of the year for mine. Um, uh, yeah, so let's give them a B because, again, we're looking on improvement year on year, and there's no doubt that they're a much, much better outfit now than they were 12 months ago yeah. when they were they were more at sea than the bloody Titanic. So um, they're definitely a better organisation, but they still they need to keep improving. They need to do their homework more. So... I think their out-of-hours study needs to continue to improve to keep chipping away and keep improving when they when they get into lessons, if we're going to keep on this uh, flimsy schooling analogy. Uh, I, yeah, B. I'm going to go with B. I'm B minus for me. 
Just, yep. Yeah, still still a bit of improvement to be done there, I reckon. Yep. Uh, yeah, what, what's going on with James Courtney? It just yeah, that, hasn't, and that's, and hasn't that's a B-minus for me. Yeah, hasn't had the pizzazz that we used to see yep. from JC, have you? No, exactly. Uh, the teacher's comment on this would be easily distracted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, Tickford Racing, we'll put all four cars into that group. I don't think we should separate them because uh, you're pretty strong on these ones. They're in detention. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not giving them a grade. They haven't submitted the last five assignments. N-A? So, yeah. 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 They have Seriously? missed the boat. That, that is the, it's one of the biggest stories of the year, and it's been overshadowed by the outrageously good performance by Scott McLaughlin, by the ZB Commodore coming in and probably been used as an excuse at times. They have, for a team with that much resource, that much brain power behind the scene, with the quality of racing car drivers they've got in every car. So you've got a champion in Winterbottom. Yeah. You've got a future champion in, in Moffat and, and Waters, who we all know is pretty genius. Yeah. And we've got one of the great rookies in uh, in Richie Stanaway, who we know can, can do the job. Um, they, they've just missed the boat completely, Shebex. And mm. they, they've really struggled. It's been really disappointing. They know that. They know that more than anyone. They don't need two armchair critics like us sitting back telling them that they need to do their homework more. But um, it's it's been a big story this year. What they can do, what they can do is they can roll into October and if they win the Bathurst 1000, all of a sudden it doesn't become such a bad year because, yeah. you know, win Bathurst and all of a sudden the rest of the year, no one really cares. If you've won Bathurst, that's a massive tick. So, I, think they, I think they need three strong enduro races yeah, Sandown, San Bathurst, and also uh, in Gold Coast. Yeah, see, I'd, I'd trade Sandown. After the year they've had, I would trade the other two for a Bathurst win. If they get one car home first at Bathurst, um, it'll it'll be a band-aid over a lot of the ills they've yeah. had this year, and it'll make their year presentable. But at the moment, you know, this is a team that's got four great cars that routinely fails to get even one of them in the top ten in qualifying, and that's, that's poor. So... We've been harsh on them on the show before, but there's no one harsher on them than themselves. Yep. I would have thought, anyway. So. Saturday detention for Tickford Racing. No, I think so. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Preston High Racing. Um, you know, they fall sort of into the BJR camp for mine. They're sort of a bit anonymous. Yeah, um, they are, aren't they? Tough as a single car team. Um, oh, it's a C, C plus based on the fact that they're better than they were last year and they mm. haven't written off as many race cars as they have in the last two years. So, yeah, C+. couple to go. Red Bull, Red Bull Racing. Uh, we talk, of course, of Van Gisbergen and uh, Old Seven Time. Old Seven Time. Well, on Red Bull Holden Racing Team prior form, so if we're going to continue that form and grade them on where they've been in the past, they're probably only a C or a C+, because they're not, they're not the race team that we've, that we've been so inspired. We've grown to love. And, well love or hate, depending on which side of the equation you're on. But, um, However, there are some exonerating circumstances there and that they're working flat out to develop this new race car. And we know how tricky that can be. Just ask Nissan. Um, so I'm going to give them a B plus on the basis that they continue to find ways to win races. Uh, and, and Van Gisbergen and Winkup continually despite what they're doing with that car and despite the fact it's clearly not the best race car in the world at the moment and they're still learning it and unlocking its potential, 
they continue to chip away, they continue to win races, and they continue to apply pressure to the Shelby Power Fords. So on that basis, they're in the Bs for mine. Um, of course, they could ultimately win the championship, and that would vastly change the game because they might get things really right in the second half of the year. Yeah. They're really good at Enduros, as we know. So if they have a big Enduro Cup season, then uh, all bets are off. So for mine at the moment, let's go... B for a B plus. They're right on the border for that. I can't split them. It's too hard. Yeah. Uh, and um, it could change going into the second half of the year. And I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on the next one. Shell V Power Racing Team DJR Team Penske. I, I'm, I'm I typically not going to give them an A plus. I think you know what I'm thinking with this because you're right. I'm not because it's a one car team at the moment. Correct. Yeah, and that, and that makes it more an A minus a B plus for me due to the fact that Fabian, if Fabian's car needs to lift. Yeah, struggling, uh, struggling in that side of the camp. But they stay in the A's for mine yeah. with what they're doing on car 17. And uh, you wouldn't have thought Scotty's qualifying form could get any better than it was last year. But I think he's, he's better this year than he was last season. And we know he locked the Admiral Polo away early in the season last year and, and probably won't do it quite so early this year. But he's almost uncatchable on one lap pace. And then what they're doing now is... You know, last year, the, the Sunday race at Darwin this year, where that car was losing oil and it was smoking and we were all worried about whether it would get to the finish, I reckon 12 months ago that car would have blown up yeah. or they would have found a way to lose that race. Yep, but true. this year, the difference in that team and the difference in the driver and his psyche and the way he's operating is that they put oil in it, they got home, they got great points, and that's the kind of race that defines a championship like this because you can't afford to DNF. So that was hugely important. So it's an A-plus for car 17. It's probably a C-plus for car 12. Um, and Fabian just needs to qualify better. That's, that's been his biggest drama. He gets, just gets stuck in the pack. And as we said time and time again, that when you do that, you're in a world of pain. Quickly through the last couple, Team Cool Drive, uh, Tim Blanchard Racing. Well, that, that sort of falls into the, the BJR camp for mine. Yeah. Yeah, Techno Autosport. Uh, techno, I'm going to give a C. No, I'm going to give. No, I'm going to give him a B minus. B minus. Um, I've been really impressed with Jack LeBrock this year. Yeah. Really mature. He looks like he's been part of that paddock for five years, doesn't he? Yeah. As a full time driver, driving Tassie was great. Every now and then he still pops up in the ten. Still single car team, and for all their links with Triple Eight, they're still a single car team. So, um, solid. Really impressive. I think Jack's been great. He lifts the bar there. So, B minus. Final one. Gary Rogers Motorsport. Oh, this is difficult. James Golden's had a really rough start to his supercar career, full-time driving. So that brings that side of the, the score down. I reckon Garth Tan has been pretty magnificent, as always. But that team can't qualify. If they work out how to qualify in the top half a dozen, Garth Tan is going to win races yeah. again. Um, so on that basis, I'm going to give him a C+. Plus. Um perked up by the fact that Garth continues to blaze his way through the field with a plum and probably still the race's racer in supercars. Uh, there goes the bell. Time for recess. Like it. I'm going to have my fruit box yes. and, uh, <laughs> and sit down with my friends on the hopscotch court. Play a little bit of down ball and uh, it'll all be fun. Yeah. Always a pleasure, mate. Who wins Townsville this weekend? Uh, no, I've got no idea. I've just no. given you all those scores off yeah, top right. of my head, so I'm not going to give you a winner. I've got no idea. No, fair Ford enough. will be the winner. It's going to be a good. It's going to be a good time up there, though. Enjoy yourself. 
Will do. Sun will be shining. Yeah, it will be. Catch you next Monday. We'll talk about it. See you, mate. Go on, Crowley. Richard Crowell joining us here on The Grid. Time to talk to Wheel Racing here on the grid, and we do that always with our great mate Mark Brax, who is still up in the Northern Territory after having seen a fantastic round of Australian Superbikes up there this weekend at Hidden Valley. G'day, Braxy. G'day, Shabex. How are you? Mate, I'm fantastic. And I say a fantastic round of Superbikes, made even more fantastic for the fact that Troy Bayless has finally notched up his first win of his Australian Superbike return. Oh, mate, it was amazing. He's, um, he was, from the very start of the weekend, he was, you could see that he was confident and he's ha- really happy in himself. He's as fit as I've ever seen him. And, uh, the lies, you look at him without a shirt on, you think he's about 25 years old. <laughs> or as he says, I, I feel like an 18 year old and I've never felt this good on a motorcycle. So, um, and I started, he was pretty dominant throughout the sessions. Uh, in the second, or well, the first qualifying session. He uh, put it on provisional pole um, and put the Desmo Sport Ducati around the uh, Hidden Valley racetrack faster than any other motorcycle's gone before. They could do a 105 uh, 6. Um, a remarkable, remarkable time uh, to put it on pole position. Then on the Sunday morning, the first race there, he's come out and basically led from start to finish. Uh, Troy Herpost, the championship leader on the Penrod Honda racing machine. Gave him it like he had a pretty mediocre start. Well, if you'd ask Troy to be, he'd say a few more adjectives than that, but he battled his way through the field to actually um, challenge Troy towards the end of the race in the last couple of laps and put on a really a brave move. Uh, you know, the Hidden Valley racetrack, mate, turn 10 uh, can bite pretty well, but Certainly uh, can. Troy, um, well, discretion, the better part of Alan Herfoss backed it off and. Troy Bayless ended up winning the race by, you know, a couple of tenths of a second. But then in the second leg, um, Troy took off and he looked like he was all um, set to win it again. But a couple of mechanical issues that I won't go into on air, but um, it caused him to run off track a couple of times, run wide a few times, and Herfoss got underneath him to uh, manage to get into the lead and take the win and extend his lead in the championship. And Troy struggled to finish seventh in the end, but he still maintained second overall on the weekend. And he maintains third in the championship. Well, he leapfrogged the third in the championship, so he retains that after leaving Darwin before we uh, reconvene in Morgan Park in uh, Warwick in Queensland in uh, about uh, six, eight weeks' time. Yes, yeah, certainly. We're also great to see that the uh, Superbikes and the Supersport bikes have once again been confirmed for MotoGP later in the year. Yep, mate, that's uh, all that's uh, a great uh, sidelight support class for the uh, guys down there to showcase themselves in front of a crowd. And I think it's even more um, impressive now that with the state of the Australian Championship, where it's gone through a bit of a, a rocky road in the last few years now, it's really gaining momentum. And people are starting to look at this championship going, mate, this is really strong. So yeah. to have them alongside the, uh, the boys at the MotoGP, there'll be more eyes watching because they know that the, the talent and the uh, quality of the rider in Australia is right up there with the best in the world. Uh, turn our attention to MotoGP, and it was one of the great MotoGP races of all time at the TT circuit in Assen, and we sort of got this feeling, or at least I did, Braxton, I'm sure you did too, we had this feeling it was going to be a great race when we saw the finisher qualifying and the fact that Jorge oh. Lorenzo was on pole, 90 <laughs> seconds left in qualifying, and he starts ninth. 
Yeah, exactly. Imagine getting that checkered flag up the qualifying and thinking, oh, yes, I've got pole position. Come into pit lane and expect me to go down a park turn. I go, no, no, you can go back to your box. What? It was crazy. I finished. Yeah, amazing. And uh, that last uh, minute or so of the qualifying at Assen was just, um, mate, everybody that I spoke to yesterday, like we woke up and uh, the chat got, did you see qualifying? How mental was that? And, uh, <laughs> And it was reciprocated in the race. Yeah. Like, look at the front row. You had Marquez, Crutzlow, and Rossi. What a what a trio to have at the front row of a race because anything could have happened from there. And uh, Lorenzo, from ninth, he still goes through, ends up getting in the lead and leading to quite a while. But uh, they call Valentino Rossi the doctor. I think Mark Marquez might be called the surgeon because uh, he oh, rode nice. that race to perfection. And he was sitting there looking, 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 and then when he got in front, you thought, oh, the dice is on now. But he just cleared off and left them. And no, they didn't give up. They tried to well, rode their asses off trying to keep up with him. But he just um, did the usual Marquez bit. And uh, made amazing. And also the fact that uh, Rossi having that coming together with another bike, how he didn't come off as well with the yeah. Lorenzo's uh, exhaust pipe being bent. So that would have uh, negated his charge at the end. And I think that that incident with Rossi, Rossi and Lorenzo, there might have been that little bit of damage done to the bike. And from then on, Rossi dropped back. And when you thought he was going to be on the podium, and then who would have picked second and third? Alex Rins on the Suzuki and Maverick Vignali's breaking through for no, a podium for the first time, in, first time in a long while. But Mark Heffner, he's just, um, you know, he's, he's another level. He is a, he is a freak. And uh, the way he rides from the dirt to the dirt, using the entire track for his uh, talents whereas others keep it within the, the framework. Man, he's just, um, yeah, he is a freak. There's no other words for it. Uh, you mentioned Lorenzo. So if you've got the doctor in Rossi and you've got the surgeon in Marquez, I admirably say that Lorenzo is the butcher because he sliced and diced his way <laughs> to the first corner. He was 10th yeah. and then he was second by the, by the second corner. That was just amazing. Yeah, he's off the line on that Ducati and he's... No offence to Andrea De Vicioso, his teammate, but in the last three races, he's made him look really average. And then since De Vicioso signed that new two-year deal with you, Caddy, he hasn't really done much. And uh, they must, like we said last week, the bosses at Ducati are walking around pointing the finger at each other. Did you sack Lorenzo? No, I didn't, mate. No, no, don't blame me about that one. <laughs> so um, it's uh, very interesting. The other interesting thing too, Shebex, is that when you see Lorenzo and Marquette together at the moment, okay, they're rivals on track and in the championship. They're very pally and g'day, mate, and yeah. Ola and all the rest of it, and Buenos Suerte and all that sort of thing. You, I'd like to get a screenshot of one or a little 10-second grab from one of these uh, Park Ferme, uh episodes during the year, and then let's see it, what it's like yeah. in 12 months' time when the uh, the glares, the snarls and the snorting will be all aimed at each other with their teammates. It's, uh, it is the worst it is the worst description of a word in the world, teammates in motor racing. There is no such thing. It, it is. Whether it's go-karts, whatever, whatever you're riding, you're not teammates. You're not even mates. You just no, should be saying team members. Yep, correct. Um, and you, as you know, Specs, you're a mad, um, passionate motorsport enthusiast. The first person you've got to beat is the bloke who's on the other side of the box. That's what they always say. Now, Jack Miller, another top ten for him. That wasn't a bad ride, actually. Yeah, well, I thought he might have done a bit um, better in qualifying, Jack. Um, but he did. He, he um, prevailed and just kept kept it motoring and another top ten. And 
he's not doing anything wrong to uh, consolidate his re-signing for the G- Primac Ducati team in 2019 and the fact that they're going to give him that equal machinery that uh, the big boys of Divisioso and the new boy will be in the Ducati team, Petrucci. And when you're saying that, uh, Ducati must be wondering if they've, if they've actually made the right decision by signing Petrucci. Yeah, well, that's a fair call too. And, and you're right about Miller. Miller sort of suffered the Jorge Lorenzo's in qualifying, didn't he? He had that, uh, that top spot in Q1. Went into the yeah. and went into the pits and then that was it. It was uh, taken off him. Yeah, exactly. You know, it uh, just shows you the fine line that these guys are riding that between uh, jumping up and down on the pit box and then sitting dejectedly in your corner, going, "What happened?" Correct. Uh, Two week break for the bikes, Braxy, and then they make their way to Germany. Yeah, uh, Saxon Ring, the little place that's built in a basically, or it is in, in the back of an industrial area of Dresden in the uh, old east of the, well, you can't get much further east in Germany than heading to Dresden and the Saxon Ring. Then they have their uh, uh, one month or a few weeks off before they reconvene in Brno where they get to the, the tracks that the Ducati will um, probably thrive on. You've got Brno, the A1 Ring in Austria where the Formula One Grand Prix was last night, and then uh, you've got. Um, uh, Silverstone, Masano, maybe even the Ducati track. Then you've yeah. got Aragon, and then you've got the flyways where they go to the Chang in uh, Thailand and uh, Malaysia after Australia. So, um, you know, the Lorenzo's hanging in there, the Ducati's hanging in there. Who knows what's going to happen for the rest of this season? But, mate, it's, you'd have to be a strong man to bet against uh, that little Spanish man, Mark Marquez. He is just a complete weapon. Who leads the championship at 140 points. Rossi on 99, Vinales on 93, and then uh, it falls away pretty much from there. Braxy, always great to catch up with you, mate. Have a safe trip back from Darwin, and we'll talk soon. No worries, mate. It'll be another good road trip. I'll tell you what, coming back is going to be a bottler. Mark Brax joining us here on The Grid. Baby, lay on back and relax. Kick your pretty feet up on my dash. No need Welcome back. It's On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com. And time to catch up with a female racing driver, Emily Duggan, today confirming that she'll be racing in the Toyota 86 Racing Series, and she joins us on the line now. G'day, Emily. Uh, hi, Tony. How's it going? I'm fantastic. Uh, congratulations to yourself. This is a great opportunity. Uh, the remaining five rounds of the Toyota 86 Racing Series and you start this weekend in Townsville. Yeah, that's right. I'm so excited to finally announce it. It's something that I've been working on for probably the last three to two months and it's good to finally see the reward for my efforts of just, you know, um, working really hard to get the car finished and everything and getting sponsors on board. So Townsville, oh, it's going to be beautiful weather up there and it's going to be some good racing and I can't wait for it. It's going to be a little bit of a step up for you. Uh, you've been racing in the uh, yeah. in the XL Series since 2014. Yeah, certainly will be. So the XL Series was great to kind of get my first taste of motorsport um, and taste for the competition, which is one of the reasons that I love love racing. So moving up now to a national category, being in the Toyota 86 series, it's the competition has heightened so much more. So I'm so excited to be racing against, you know, Australia's best in that field and just seeing what uh, what results I can come out with. Now, I hope this doesn't sound like a sexist remark at all, and, and I'm sure it won't, but how does a young girl decide that she wants to become a professional motor racer? Um, 
you just <laughs> if you've got if you've got a passion i i always loved cars i loved driving cars probably driving a little bit too fast sometimes <laughs> um but and i love competition i'm a very competitive person um off the track as much as i am on the track so it just kind of i don't know something inside me just always said you can do this um and you should do this so went out and bought a race car and towed it to the racetrack myself and just started racing so it's just pure pure love and pure passion for the sport and then once you get into it it's just it just grows and it's just becomes you know an addiction yeah and i can totally understand that totally understand that you've Stepped out at a national level before. I think you've had a go at the uh, Kumo V8 Touring Car Series. How yeah, was, was that? That was a bit of a baptism of fire for you. Yeah, it was. Um, so that's oh my gosh, I loved that weekend. That weekend when I was there it was just you know kind of um, I don't know the proper way to say it, but kind of your I was there not early in. Oh, no, not necessarily an eye-opener. Well, yes, definitely in that sense as well. But um, I was there to do a job and, you know, I kind of didn't step back at any time and realise what I was actually doing and how I'd gotten there and all that stuff. So now kind of looking back at it, I'm like, wow, I can't believe that I, um, you know, created the opportunity for for myself to get there. And then um, what a lot of people don't understand about that um, opportunity was it certainly wasn't given in given to me and it was certainly something that I paid for out of my own pocket so I didn't have any sponsors um at that stage you know forking out uh money for for the bills that were coming in so sorry keep going Emily uh, yeah so it was just it was one of those experiences that's really um an eye-opener but something that I loved so much at the time and still you know still pinch myself that I was able to do it you didn't start your career as a, a Carter or a Formula Ford driver, as, as most do in, uh, in, in this category, especially a lot of the, the younger guys that have come into it basically have made their way through that progression. Have you found that being a, a little bit of a, a – is it something that sort of held you back a little bit, the fact that you don't have that raw experience from, that, uh, from those karting days? Um, I don't think held me back, um, definitely not. I mean – I'm, you know, very hungry and thirsty when I'm on the racetrack, so it's elbows out and I'm looking for the win. Yeah. In terms of racecraft, um, I mean, I'm always looking to improve and develop my skills on the tracks. The guys that have been racing for many more years than what I have probably do have a lot more experience in that, and they're able to make more calculated um, decisions. But I guess I'm a quick learner and I learn from other people's mistakes. I do watch a lot of racing, so I watch a lot of um, manoeuvres that work and manoeuvres that don't work. Yeah. Um, But in terms of, you know, I put in a lot of hard hard work. The first year that I raced, um, I pretty much did three years of learning and three years of track time in the one year. And I've continued to develop and continued to work just as hard in that first year as I do now. So it's it's just about how much work that you put in. I'll tell you what, if you're going to do uh, five races in a series, you might as well do them at five of the most iconic tracks in <laughs> I Australia. I know, right? <laughs> Townsville, amazing. The Bend is just going to be absolutely spectacular, having been there for the Shannon's National Round earlier this year. It's going to be yeah. great by the time they come around to supercars. Sandown, we just know, has got so much history about it. 
Bathurst yeah. is Bathurst, forget it. And uh. we saw what Newcastle <laughs> put up for offer last year as well in its first round. It, it's going to be a pretty exciting time for you. I know, very much so. The Townsville, I've never been to Townsville, and it's a street circuit. I've never been on a street circuit, so that's the first one, you know, ticked and off the bucket list. Yeah. And going to Taylor Bend is, I've been there early last month, and oh my gosh, it's, that track is wild. Absolutely wild. So I'm so excited for that. And then Sandown was um, where I made my debut in the supercar, and then Bathurst. Everyone loves Bathurst. And Newcastle to finish it off, what a party. Yeah, it, it is a great party. There's no doubt about that. It'll be an amazing party. And uh, yeah, so much. Uh, you, you mentioned street circuits. You've never raced on it. Uh, I'll ask you now, what is going to be the difference between a street circuit and a, and a normal circuit for you? To be honest, nothing. Um, <laughs> a street circuit, yeah, the walls are closer. But um, when I race, I try and, you know, at, say, Sydney Motorsport Park, where there's, you know, a bit of runoff room and there's grass between a wall and the bitumen. But when I race, you know, that grass to me is a concrete wall. I I don't ever plan on, you know, using the grass or going off uh, the bitumen. I like to say on the black stuff. So in terms of having a street circuit and a racetrack, um, it's, to me, there's not that much difference in it because you've still, you know, you're only allowed to be on that part of the track. So you go on that part of the track. One of the things that I do know about Townsville is that it's half um, road that everyone uses yeah. throughout any other time of the year, but then the other half is man-made. So the difference between that, those two surfaces will be very interesting when I go to Townsville um, on new tyres that I haven't driven on yet. So it'll be very interesting in that terms to see how the car um, how the car goes and how I go. Things are moving well for you, Emily, and that's fantastic. Uh, close your eyes and predict the future for me. What happens over the next couple of years? How do you see it panning out? Uh, well, <laughs> how I see it and how I'm working towards it, um, I would love to become a you know professional full-time driver um, and possibly be driving in the GT series or the um, supercar series. Yeah. It's definitely everything that every you know every driver always aspires to in Australian motorsport. I don't necessarily see myself going overseas, and it's not any opportunities that I'm working currently on. But it's, you know, to make it to the top of Australian motorsport. Have you had the opportunity to have a chat to any of the other women in motorsport, Leanne Tander, and uh, just to name one of the uh, the many women that are involved, and, and talk to them about uh, the road ahead? Yeah, definitely. Leanne Tander, um, I've spoken with her a few times. But she is just um, an incredible driver, an incredible person. Um, you know, I, I really look up to her, and I think that... Um, you know, she's she's had some great opportunities, but then, um, you know, she's kind of um, been looked, um, oh, I don't know the proper way to say it, but um, overlooked yeah. in time um, where she should probably be, you know, right up there with the boys that she definitely can, can uh, mix it with some of the best. But, yeah, she's very um, supportive of all females. Uh, in motorsport, which I am too. So it's great to just have, you know, a female um, to talk with. You're in pit lane often. Uh, do you feel that that's changing? Do you feel that the opportunities are now becoming more equal between female and male drivers? Well, I don't think that they ever weren't equal um, in that sense. There's 
I mean, it's no, it's no, um, it's no secret that there's more men than there are females. Yep. But at the end of the day, where when you're at the racetrack, you're a driver. Um, you're not seen as a female driver, a yeah. male driver. I don't believe you're you're a driver. So if you're able to put in the work and put in um, the stuff that's needed in terms to progress your career, then it's I think it's equal for both. No, that sounds pretty much right, Emily. I'm, I'm hearing exactly what you're saying. Hey, congratulations on this great opportunity of jumping into a Toyota 86 uh, for the next for the last five rounds of their series starting this weekend at Townsville. We're going to keep an eye on you, see how you go, and catch up maybe later on in the year and uh, find out how you're enjoying it. Yeah, definitely. I would love to, and thank you so much. So there you go. That's Emily Duggan joining us here on The Grid. Uh, that wraps up our show. Another big one. Thanks to Crowley and Braxy for uh, their work, as always, and we wish Emily all the best. We'll catch you again here on mypodcasthouse.com for another episode of On The Grid next Monday.